It is the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. I'm Eric G. Coming up on this week's episode, I'll give you my thoughts on Dylan Gabriel coming back for the 2023 season and whether or not he'll be the starting quarterback for the Sooners next year. We'll talk about the uh, drama going on in Stillwater as the Cowboy turns. What's happening with Spencer Sanders? How Mike Gundy should have reacted? Things that we've heard from other talk show hosts, but we must start with the college football playoff in the championship game or the college football playoff championship game because there is a lot to mine there when it comes to OU. Um, first, I want to say, I, I, probably unlike you, I thoroughly enjoyed watch TCU get their butts kicked. That was hilarious to me. And, and the reason it, it, it's hilarious, and, and I'll admit I, I'm gloating here a bit, it's because it never fails. Once, twice a week, Scheme Guy always hits me up via social media. The guy that believes that the only way you win in college football now is to have some great scheme that no one else has, or you need to copy somebody else's scheme. And most of these people, you know, they, they listen to Colin Cowherd, because Colin Cowherd is is a big fan of these offensive play caller types. They listen to Joel Klatt, former college football quarterback, or other former college football quarterbacks that tell you that it's all about play calling. Barry Switzer, who has forgotten more football than I'll ever know, than Colin Cowherd, or most of these people who are doing color commentary for college football games will ever know has always uttered the cliche that it's all about the Jimmys and the Joes, not the X's and the O's, or at least some form of that. And what we saw on Monday night, Garrett Riley wasn't going to scheme his way out of it. Garrett Riley, after the first series, after the first two series, couldn't have drawn up a damn thing on the chalkboard that was going to get TCU back into that game. Because the only scheme that he needed to figure out was, how can my offensive line line block bigger, faster, stronger defensive linemen? Oh, wait. There's really no answer for that in the chalkboard. That's in recruiting. That's in development. And you can't do that in a 60-minute period. It was great to see a defense come out and dominate a football game the way Georgia did. And, and the reason that that warmed my heart so uh, up so much is the week before when you had these pinball machine type scores, you, I got to just, I was so down. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give up on great defenses ever being played because all the best players, they're leaving after three years. The transfer portal has spread everything out as far as where the talent is and for some reason, and I, w- I was talking to coaches and players about that this week, your best athletes are, are, are now more inclined to be on offense than they are defense. So uh, I, I guess we're just going to have a high-scoring game and maybe TCU wins that and there's Cinderella. And maybe I'll just have to give in to Scheme Guy and tell him he's he's right. Well, Scheme Guy, you're not right. You're, you're wrong. In fact, you couldn't be more wrong if you tried because – Without players, it doesn't matter what you drop up, you draw up. If you can't execute, it doesn't matter. And and with Georgia, they were so much faster. That was probably the most glaring difference between Georgia and TCU 
in that game was the fact that Georgia was so much faster on both sides of the ball, TCU didn't have a chance to keep up. And I heard some younger talk show hosts basically parrot everything that Kurt Herbstreet said on that game and praise Todd Monken and, oh, he's, he's catching TCU off guard and they're not set and he drew it up right and, you know, you, you, you do the reverse here, you, you do whatever. Dude, Todd Mocking could have lined up. I mean, they could have they could have lined up, gone under center, run too tight, and just hammered the ball at him. And TCU wasn't going to stop him. They just it wasn't going to happen. The scary thing about all this, though, and for as fun as it was for a guy like me who's really sick of the air raid offense, as scary as 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 fun as that was, the scary thing is is now let's think about it in terms of Oklahoma. These are the kind of players that Brent Venables is going to have to recruit if OU wants any chance of competing in the Southeastern Conference. You've got to go find players that look like the guys that Georgia has. And if you can't find players like that, you need to make them look like Georgia has. One of the biggest, biggest offseason gets that, 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 that OU wrangled in through the transfer portal, was Trace Ford. And one of the main reasons why Trace Ford is such a good get for OU is that nobody, nobody in America does a better job of getting players bigger and stronger than Rob Glass does at Oklahoma State. And this is not a knock on Schmitty. Schmitty does a really good job at Oklahoma. Talk to any of those guys that that played under Schmitty or worked under Schmitty. They'll tell you how, how much hell they went through just to get where, where they were. However, if you look at the Oklahoma State players, Colin Oliver's a big example to me because I knew that kid in high school. I saw him from December at the football banquet at, at Edmund Santa Fe. Okay, he looked, he looked one way. or He still pretty much looked like a high school kid. A high school kid that would have an opportunity to play like, to play college football, but still a high school kid. He looked a lot different in April when I came back to watch Oklahoma State for the spring game, and then in August, he looked another way. It was dramatic improvement over not even quite a year's period of time. Malcolm Rodriguez. I didn't recognize Malcolm Rodriguez when he showed up to his last Big 12 media day. I'm like, who is that standing next to Spencer Sanders? Oh, crap, that's Malcolm Rodriguez? He's a lot bigger when he moved up to play linebacker. Trace Ford is a guy that got tremendously bigger and more powerful at his time at Oklahoma State. Not saying that Jerry Schmidt should have to change anything. And I think Jerry Schmidt and Rob Glass may have worked together in Stillwater because I know Pat Jones uh, gave Schmidt. I know Schmidt did work at Oklahoma State. I'm pretty sure that they worked together. Um, You can double check on that yourself. But... I would want to find out from Trace Ford, okay, what were you doing? What were, what was Oklahoma State doing to take you as a three-star kid, a guy that we didn't even recruit, how did they make you what you were? And I get some of its natural growth. How did they do it with Colin Oliver? What is Oklahoma State doing? You take that and you start applying it to these five-star athletes that you've got, and all of a sudden, that's the formula to win a whole lot of ball games. And... Right now, and I know Oklahoma's got a lot of new kids coming in, and I know that the recruiting class was 
top five recruiting class, depending on the recruiting rankings. But still, we need to see them play at a college level before we know 100% for sure whether or not these kids can compete on that level. That was probably, of all the things I kept thinking about during the game, is how is Brent Venables going to get these guys? And if he can't get them, how is he going to develop them? Just, and right now the stark difference is OU is still a Big 12 school. It is not an SEC school. It is not ready for prime time. And that has to change in a hurry. It has to change starting now. You've got to show this year, your last year in the Big 12, that you're actually ready to make the move to the SEC because if you go and have another season like this in the Southeastern Conference, it could sit you back years. And one of the things that's going to help is, one, just getting those three letters on your jersey, having the three letters on the sleeve of your your coach's polo, recruiting kids who know they're going to play in the SEC, and then... OU should should be off and running. They should be extremely successful. When it comes to the transfer portal, look for those kids. Figure out how, how you're, how you're going to get them. But there you are, if you're Oklahoma. Congratulations. You, you knew what you were up against, but watching it and just seeing how night and day different the best team in the Big 12 looked versus the best team in the Southwest Conference yeah, it ought to scare everybody in Norman to death. And if you're a fan and you're scared about this, you don't. I don't blame you. you. You should be scared because Oklahoma has a long ways to go before we consider themselves or before we consider them to be how ready SEC ready. You know, I can't think of a better way to say it. I was looking for something a little bit more clever there, but there is a long way to go for Oklahoma. And so Dylan or Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel comes back and. I'm happy about it only because you've got a quarterback with experience on campus. Thought he, I, I thought at least as far as the way he looked throwing the ball, the Cheez-It Bowl was the best he had looked throwing the ball. And I'd like to think that between now and next year, he can make some real, he could he can make some great improvements um, in his game. And maybe he'll mesh with these, Receivers a little bit better, maybe the offensive line. The running game will be better for him. That, that'll help him out immensely, but it wouldn't shock me. And I know what my good friend Brandon Drum from 24-7 says, that he doesn't see a world in which Jackson Arnold starts, and he may be 100% right, but just for the sake of argument, just to play devil's advocate here, I'm going to disagree with him. If Jackson Arnold were to go and show out during spring because OU was below 500 this year and because Dylan Gabriel didn't look anything close to what we are used to seeing in Norman out of an OU quarterback, if Jackson Arnold, if you think Jackson Arnold is closer to that than what Dylan Gabriel is, it shouldn't matter that he's a true freshman. You should go out and start Jackson Arnold because he should be ready to play much like a lot of these other high school quarterbacks are ready to play simply because the system you're running the same kind of system in high school as you are in college now, so you would think it would be a quick a quick adjustment from that aspect. The only thing you would really have to get to or get used to is the speed of the game. But I, I'm happy for Dylan Gabriel if this is what he wants. If he's the better quarterback, start him. If not, yeah, give me Jackson Arnold. 
Let me see what this guy can do because it can't be any worse than what it was last year. Coming up next, it's another episode of As the Pope Turns. So as I stuttered and stammered through that last segment, and don't lie, you know you heard it. You know you were laughing. You know you were, were rewinding, making fun of me. And, you know, that's all right. It's, hey, it's, it's, it's what it's there for. Um, I was looking forward to this segment um, simply to talk about as the cowboy turns, which I, I feel like I ought to be running, I ought to be running soap opera music uh, uh, under this, but I don't think I have the rights to it. You know, I don't think I've got the rights to the days of our lives theme, so I, I can't go out and and, and put it under underneath the the show here. But uh, Jim Traver from WWLS, and, and look, never let it be said that that I don't like Jim. I love Jim. Jim has been very good to me throughout my career, and I trust the information that that Jim gets. And to just put things in a nutshell, because I don't want to rehash what he did. Uh, Essentially, Oklahoma State had an opportunity, according to Jim, to keep Spencer Sanders. And you had people who were willing to raise enough NIL money that Spencer Sanders, you know, may have been enticed to stay at Oklahoma State, and essentially, Mike Gundy told him no. And there were some some accu. I'll call them accusations. Um, for and, and these didn't come from Jim; they've come from other people. But I call them a- accusations that Spencer Sanders may have tried to hold the program hostage a little bit. So I get it. A lot of it's hearsay. A lot of it's speculation. But that. But that's what we do here. And. There are really only two opinions that you, that, that you can have when you know all the information or at least have this kind of information before you. And, and the, first of, the first opinion is, if you had an opportunity to get Spencer Sanders back, you should have. Because at least at this point, Spencer Sanders is better than anything that you've got on campus. So whether it took NIL, whether it took you deciding that you were going to swallow your pride a little bit, if you had a chance to go get him, you should. That being said, in an effort to contradict myself, because I just have to here, and this is eating at my crawl, you never, never as a college football coach ever let one player hold your team hostage because once you do that, it's, it's a bad precedence that you cannot go back on. If Spencer Sanders holds you hostage, others will see that he can get away with it, and those that feel like they are more valuable than him, um, whether it's a guy like Mason Cobb, whether it's a guy like Trace Ford who left, they'll start to do it as well. And at that point, you've lost control of your program. And because you are the face of the program, because the, the, the longest period of time you're ever going to get players is six years. Why do I say six years? I built in some medical red, red shirts on, in that number. But that's about it. You're always going to be there. They are eventually going to leave. This is where it's not the NFL. This is where it's not professional football. They have to move on. You have to stay there. Not only that, you're the reason why, why they are there. You signed off on them having a scholarship. You gave them the opportunity to compete. And that's really all anyone should ever be promised when you get a scholarship is the opportunity to compete. 
That, get your school paid for, room and board. And then you just got a shot to compete. No one should ever be guaranteed that they're going to start. Now, look, you've got extraordinary players. And we all know who we all know what types of players those are. We all know who they are, without saying their name, Adrian Peterson. Uh, that you can tell without a doubt when they look like grown ass men in high school. Okay, you're going to start for me as long as you work hard and do what you're supposed to do. You're going to start. But if it's not that guy, if it's an offensive lineman, never promise them that just to get them there. Promise them the scholarship. Promise them the opportunity to compete. But you have to, you have to hold, uh, you have to not necessarily so much rule with an iron fist, but you have to have enough control of your program that you're not letting the players dictate how things go because that's a surefire way to get yourself fired and a surefire way to set your program back many years where the guy that comes in after you may not be able to fix things. And when he does, because he has to rule with an iron fist and it's such a dramatic change for what you get, you know you're only going to have a setback. And all that being said, with Spencer Sanders, one, you got Alan Bowman, who transferred down from Michigan, played at Texas Tech, has had some success playing in Stillwater. Uh, It would stand to reason that he would probably start over Garrett Rangel unless he went and stunk it up during the spring or ended up getting hurt or something like that. But I would think he would start over Garrett Rangel. And if he does, and you got the kid coming in from Nebraska, look for some, look for more movement in the Oklahoma state quarterback slot after spring. It, it would just, it, it just feels like, like that's going to happen. Somebody's going to leave at spring. If not, uh, you're deep at quarterback, or at least you've got bodies, uh, be it, Alan Bowman, Garrett Rangel, or Gunnar Gundy, and this kid from Nebraska, you've at least got four guys on on campus. And, and if nothing else, somebody's gonna have to run scout team. And that certainly should that that certainly should make your team better. Um, but I but I think I get I get irritated when a lot of people's like, well, say, well, Mike Gundy didn't relate to these kids. And and it's a new day and age of college football. You're not wrong when you say that. And you're not wrong when you discuss the transfer portal and NIL and how if you want to be successful you've got to play in those things you've got to play in you've got to play in that sandbox but you still have to maintain some continuity in your program and as a head coach you have got to do the things that you believe in and feel comfortable with in order for your team to win and if if a kid is holding you hostage and you just don't feel comfortable with bending to his will, then don't, or you'll regret it. Because once you once you go down that road, there is absolutely no going back. And you can't walk back to being the quote-unquote players. You can't go from being the player's coach to being a hard-ass. You can go from being a hard-ass to, to being a player's coach, but you can't go the other way because nobody is going to take you seriously. It's just really ultimately that simple. So I wish Mike Gundy the best of luck. Hopefully things get ironed out at Oklahoma State. And by the way, uh, where is Spencer Sanders? You know, if Spencer Sanders wanted to stay at Oklahoma State, he should have never jumped in the transfer portal. He does not have a scholarship offer as of the recording of this podcast. And there's been talk of Auburn and some other schools, but so far he hadn't landed anywhere. Right now, it looks like a mistake for him to jump in the portal, and I wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that the kid is is as turnover prone as he is. I don't wish him any will. I love covering him. I think he's a great kid. 
I'm just wondering if he overestimated his value to other schools that were not named Oklahoma State. That wraps up everything for this week. Thank you so much for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars because, hey, we'd really appreciate it. And as always, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote Diamond David Lee Roth, stay frosty.